0: Pick up your paintbrush, it's time for Hobby Support Group. Good evening, Andy. But it's not that Andy, it's a different Andy. Good evening, Andy, from the Friends of General Hague.
1: Good evening, Tom. It's really nice to be here.
0: Uh, Listeners, this is an interview that we've been trying to record, I think, since April... And I have managed to fail the like two-up roll to get it recorded every night since. So we will now see if, after months and months, we don't lose power during a thunderstorm. We will see if that happens. You know, if this is truncated, blame fate again or Tom's inability to roll. So this evening we're going to talk with Andy, sort of meet the hobbyist, because he's not to one of those ages. And just as you thought, you know, it might be safe to venture back into wargaming because we've not talked about English Civil War for about ba- a fortnight. We thought we'd go back a little bit, go across the channel and chat 17th century warfare and, you know, the European crisis with Andy, although Andy, you are free to talk about whatever other hobby periods you want. So if you're now going to sort of like, you know, bamboozle me with this massive space dwarf project or something you've been working on instead of a, a Swedish battalion, I will be quite surprised. But.
1: No, I think I think you're probably safe. You're probably safe. Although I I do I do, uh, do wargame other periods as well, but I think for about a decade now I've just been obsessively stuck in a bit of a rabbit hole around the seventeenth century. So uh, so no, that will be that will be fine.
0: Is that a rabbit hole you initially intended to get stuck in, or was it with like us and you sort of been snared, kind of unexpectedly, but sort of like now non begrudgingly, sort of just accept it.
1: Yeah, I think um, I think when I, when I started out, it was it was it was all exciting, and uh, you know any period that somebody uh, you know played um, at the local club, I'd I'd happily join in and play, and and after every game, I thought, oh that a uh, uh, micro modern armour, that's great, I'll collect an army of that. Ancients, oh excellent, I'll, I'll collect an army of that. So uh, I, I I I played, uh, oh, and I still do, play lots and lots of periods. Uh, but I, th- I think you just sort of snuck up on me that the 17th century was um, just an era that that I particularly liked and was interested in. And uh, I, I ended up doing, I was in the, um, the sealed knot, you know, the reenactment for the English Civil War for many years. And so uh, uh, I, I've just got that, uh, it seems to be that reoccurring thread that um, I might go off and play Napoleonic or World War Two for a bit, but I always end up going back to... Uh, sort of bucket top boots and uh big hats with flowers uh flowers feathers in the top
0: well i think for me i, I think it's it's very similar i find sort of like the 17th century it's almost got bits of all those other periods sort of mixed in it's got you know some flavors of the ancients it's got some flavors of you know a lot of napoleonic flavor it's even got you know you go to things for like you know the battle of white mountain it reads like something from World War One, when you've got, you know, gas shells and all sorts of stuff going off in trenches. I think it's, oh, I find it's sort of a period that's just, the more you learn, the more confused you become. And also it's just, yeah, it just seems to be something that we as a gaming group have just loved. And yeah, it is the era of, you know, dandy hags and fancy flags. That's was right. Was <laughs> very nearly the name for this podcast before we chose Hobby Support Group, and we, we did record, I think, oh. in episodes two of Dandy Hags and Fancy Flags, until um, we realised trying to do a proper historical podcast about where we're we specifically going to look at the English Civil War, and we thought this is this is too much work for f- for us to do, so we'll just do toy soldier rambling chat instead. But um, so you said that you were, were a member of. So you not so another listener who's a, a reenactor, we we'll also sort of like collect them as well, it seems I know like Peter was a big reenactor, uh Bob yeah. Maycock, huge reenactor before he moved on to becoming Spanish Civil War Bob. Um was the E C W C so when you started with the seventeenth century, did you start with the English Civil Wars? Did you did you purposely decide to do the Thirty Years' War instead?
1: I, I, I think I started with the with the English Civil War and that was mainly because the little um shop in Worcester where I live that um that sells toy soldiers or well, sold toy soldiers, he had all, the whole minifigs range for the English Civil War. So those are the ones that which were easy to 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 buy. Um and so those those were the easiest to get. I I think th- I've always had a bit of a hankering for maybe the Italian wars or something like that with all the exciting, you know, the Swiss pipe blocks and gendarmes, but it, but um, the Worcester model shop didn't sell those. So it was like, oh, well, I'll have to do the English civil war. But uh, I remember there was some of the, some of the older lads at the club had sort of been to conventions and things and had bought uh, figures. And so they had Italian wars armies and those all looked really exciting sort of thing. So it was the, uh, oh, well, I have to start with the English civil war, but, uh, but that, that, that that then turned out to be, uh, you know, interesting in itself because I mean, as you as you know, the great thing with English Civil War is, uh, and if you live in the UK, you, you you step out your door and you're probably two minutes from a battlefield or something interesting that happens. So it's it's got that uh, that local interest.
0: Well, it's it's one of those periods that's just got something for everyone, hasn't it? And you mm. can use the same figures. You know, if if you've got thirty figures, you can do the siege of a manor house, and you know, there's probably like you know a manor house that, you know, in your area is probably besieged about thirty seven times. and yes, you know, yes. With a bit of luck, you can probably find like the diary of, you know, whoever's wife was sort of in charge of holding it for at least three of those sieges before she just decided to sort of go away and you know, sell it to someone else or such like I was indented. Um, now, I, I think also like that I, I think the Italian wars is sort of one of those sort of like periods where we all, if you like the sort of like the fancy uniforms, you sort of I think oh some Italian wars is so I think probably like the pinnacle for the fancy uniforms is it? I think the only yes. thing I can think is probably harder slash more intimidating to paint is probably like all the embroidered barding on like hundred years war French cavalry and yes, that yes. sort of stuff. But yeah, um,
1: yeah,
0: I know I've painted up a few sort of like frostgrave war bands and stuff inspired by the. Italian wars to sort of get that sort of like, what would it be like to paint three hundred of these? And you know, by the time you painted <laughs> your ninth pair of like split trousers, you go, yes, it's probably probably not going to be doing two hundred of these. Uh, let's yes. go back to painting some more, you know, buff coats instead.
1: Um, That's right. That's
0: right. But I, I think so. Sort of just briefly talking about painting, I think sort of like your armies are sort of like one of the truly like great examples of how. We often, as game was sort of like, especially like the English Civil War, you know, it's an era of you you just paint different browns, maybe a bit of grey. And, you know, a lot of the Swedes, it's just, you know, it's a bit of yellow and brown. And yet you've managed to, your armies look absolutely stunningly gorgeous.
1: Oh, wow. Thank you.
0: Within, and you get so much of like dynamism and sort of like painting. And that did you, would you consider, like when you're looking at them and doing the painting, are you, Sort of like a a warren standard painter who's going for like the penultimate paint job or are you painting them to sort of like roll dice with and play I, I, with the most toys I, th-
1: I think ultimately um i don't think if i wasn't going to play a game with them i don't think i'd paint them sort of thing so i've, I've never painted anything i haven't got a cabinet sort of thing so um I've, I've never done anything like that so i really admire people who you know who could do those you know the great big seventy-five mil things and busts, and and, and stuff because um, there are some amazing painters. But I I I'm definitely painting to to use them as gaming pieces. So that's that's I, I don't if if I wasn't going to game with it, I don't think I'd paint it. So uh, and and I'll obviously only aspire to get to the Warren standard because uh, Warren is uh, absolutely amazing and inspiration. Uh, I love love seeing his stuff um, on the forums, etc. So it's it's definitely a sort of means to an end Uh, but I do I do quite like the painting and but it's definitely and it's something that you can always well I find I can always get a little bit better at and especially now with uh, you know YouTube videos and things and there are so many people out there who are painting and and you know and and there are a lot of people who you know do paint you know just for you know to have um, something to look at something to put in the cabinet or for competitions and stuff that there are that there is a lot of information out there on, on on painting, and and it is, and it is a bit of a struggle. It is that balance, I think. Um, how you, if you're just going to use the pieces for for gaming, then how how much effort should you put into them? So uh, so often I'm you know I'm playing the game, and and uh, you know, if you ca- if you can catch yourself in the middle of a really exciting game, and then and just stop for a moment, and then and then look at your figures. And that, that unit of cavalry which you spent weeks and weeks painting and now you don't you don't care about the 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 shading on the bucket tops or the stirrups that you had to paint or the neckerchief that was really difficult to get at uh, it's just 12 figures of cavalry hurtling down the flank and you think well why did I spend all those weeks painting the figures to to get a nice thing so it is it is a bit of a a, a balance in that in that um it it, it is interesting how as you say you know, what, what am I trying to do? Am I trying to paint just a gaming piece? Because I'm sure I could do it quicker. But then there is that satisfaction of if I'm going to paint it, I want it to be as nice as I can make it. So, uh, yeah,
0: I think it's a huge balancing act, isn't it? So sort of like making mm. it like like what what are you sort of happy with? And sort of like how Like I always think like a badly painted army is better than no painted army. Yes. And like yes. If it's, even if it's something that is painted to like tables top standard, is better than having half of it painted really nice and the other half sort of bare plastic or bare metal or whatever and it is just i think it's that sort of balancing act of how much time do you want to sort of how much time have you a got and sort of like how much time do you want to sort of put into it so that you can game with it because and i think this is, it might be maybe sort of like a generational thing that we're seeing sort of like among younger gamers i think in general you know those of us who aren't you know, having necessarily been, been gaming since you know, the years of, like, airfix. Um, so we don't have, like, 30 years to paint that Napoleonic <laughs> army. They you know, some of these chaps do, you know, when they've got, like, the, the 116 men units, and you go, well, will paint two units a year, so, you know, in about another 15 years, I'll have, you know, this battalion done. Um But I, I think, like, your armies, I think, look absolutely gorgeous. Um I think, and as you, know, you say, it's like looking at people's, like things online and sort of taking them as the standard. I think, like, definitely, I think your cavalry units, I think, really do sort of like fit that the standard of, you know, when there's multi base, especially like your use of flags. You now, I spoke to them, you salute about how you, yeah. know, is, is it the, you know, the, uh, like the old uh, tomato puree tube? Is it paper? And, you know, you relayed your secret. That was prick stick. That's yes. of, like, okay <laughs> to share with the hobby world. Um, but they, 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 sort of like look so nice as a, but you look at them on the table and they really do sort of like, look like a cavalry wing, you know, sweeping right in the flank or something, but not, I suppose. And like in no disparaging on them at all, you're not sort of going to be terrified of actually touching them to actually like, you know, move them around because they are still toys. However, ones that look gorgeously well painted. Um,
1: Yes, that's right. That's right. I mean, because at the end of the day, you've got to, they're going to be put in a box, driven somewhere, taken out of a box, handled, mishandled by, uh, you know, uh, different levels of clumsy people drinking cups of tea and uh, getting over excited about their dice rolls and stuff. And there'll be dice bouncing off them, I expect, you know, and trees falling on them. So oh,
0: I, I painted up um, like a load of I, I spent ages painting up for me, painting up some really nice. Metal ECW Cavalry. First time I put them out, I put them on the table. The first, literally the first activation roll of the the game, roll my two dice. One of them flicks up, smacks straight into the commander. Takes a huge chip out of him. I like, <laughs> could, could it I've made it up? That's and that's like three coats of varnish because I'm you, know, I'm not some like heathen like Andy who never varnishes his figures. Mine get you know varnished to an inch of their life and oh, still, definitely. yeah, you know, still you know he took some grape shot from it. A dice um but so when did um so you said you sort of like you, you, you got into sort of like playing ecw really through what your local shop was saying had you been like a, a tabletop gamer before then or were you a relative sort of like late comer to wargaming so i
1: i'm i definitely fall into the into the airfix generation so um i've, I've got two older brothers so I don't remember a time when there weren't Toy Soldiers and um and model aeroplanes in the house, you know, whether they were mine or my older brothers. Um and it's definitely it was definitely the era of Victor and Warlord Comics and Commando uh comics and the the summer specials of those magazines and stuff. So that's definitely something I grew up uh with. Um but it was just something it they were they were just Toy Soldiers. Um, and it was it was strangely it was in a sports shop that I discovered wargaming, which is perhaps that's not what you'd expect. And it was uh, it was a little pamphlet book, which uh, I, I don't I, I think they're still going, but they're, they're little pamphlet books, and they're called um, Know the Game, um, and they they will tell you how to play badminton or lawn tennis or association football, um, uh, and That these little pamphlet books were on a a spinning rack, little spinning rack of books, in the corner of the sports shop. And um, not not being a a keen sports person, I was fascinated being in this sports shop. I can't remember why I was in there, but I was like, "Oh, there's some books. I'll go and look at the books. I'm not what the books have got to say." And I was looking at this spinning rack of books, and there was a a book that said wargaming, and I thought, "Well, that that looks an interesting sport." And there was a picture of what I now now know is a assassinated Persian cataphract on the outside and I thought well that looks like a very interesting book. so uh, uh, I took that off the uh, the rack and, um, and it was basically it was a little book that actually Phil Barker who was obviously you know famous from his WRG rules etc um, Phil Barker had written which was like a little pamphlet book which was uh, the introduction to wargaming and it was you know it's uh, that thing that told you about you know the different scales there were rules. Uh, the magazines to go and buy because this is you know all pre-internet uh, days, and so this this little book was then that that little spark and introduction that led me to then buy a copy of military modelling and discover the little shop in the town that sold uh, that sold minifigs and then there was the a uh, uh, signed little A4 written note in the in the shop that said you know Worcester War Games Club then told me the telephone number of the person to ring and, and all that and also all that led me into into the into a club and I heard that it was that club uh, the Worcester War Games club um, as it was called then that led me then into into the amazing world of uh, of wargaming and, and and the first game I actually played so I I rang up and and turned up at uh, they used to meet at the YMCA in Worcester um, and I turned up for my first meeting and uh, another Chapter and I said, oh, you know, you're the new guy who's come along. Um, I-, I brought this game; you might be interested in playing. And it was actually it was a 28 mil sci-fi game. Um, so, it was, so the, my first war game when I actually threw dice and, uh, and wielded a tape measure was was 28 mil science fiction. Although this is pre um, 40k, That was a, actually a game called Space Marine, um, uh, and uh, I uh, had. People in Powered Battle Armour. I think it was inspired by Heinlein's, uh, is it Starship Trooper?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, that uh, that very famous book. So I think it was in, inspired somewhat by uh, by that. So that, yeah, that was and that so that was my first war game. And I still know Paul, who was the other chap. And, uh, we, and I still obviously, it's so like, you know, your first war game is one of those things. and you know, I can still remember lots well, of the it, dice rolls and exciting it, things. It is
0: one of those weird things. I suppose I've got so many friends who I can remember, like the first time I met them was playing a game, and you can sort of remember. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, I can remember, like, the first time I played you, I was I was playing like my Space Orcs, You we were playing Space Hawks this is where we played, this is roughly what the table looked like. Can I remember, form, it, it's weird how you remember, I'd never thought that you sort of, like, re- remember such, like, in a way, like, useless information. Yes. Um, yes. It also sounds like you sort of, like, actually sort of, like, pretty much, like, hit the Holy Grail, though, by finding, like, a rules game book like looking at a wargaming book from that sort of period that actually kind of has rules in it. Was like, <laughs> so many of them are like, "Well, this is wargaming, you know." Now, get a cup of tea and sit in an armchair. Well, we we'll discuss what you can possibly can do. Yes. And like it, it, Especially like sort of if if you get yeah, then like the, the like the modern like reprinted versions, there might be sort of like a coder at the end where it goes like, "Well, I played the author at many games, and this is sort of like you know." Here's on the back of a fag packet the actual rules we sort of like came up with rather than just all these essays. Because I know me and Ed are on a sort of like a project of trying to play lots of like specifically like lots of those like early 70s rule yeah. sets and they're just mind boggling. Um, like I think like me, I think like me and Ed are, without being big I think moderately intelligent. And yet we, I know we're due to play one this week and it's you no. Know, quite literally had to get the mechanical calculator out for all the bookkeeping <laughs> as we go this does 287 new u- casualties per unit like, head. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes so um so you, you sort of you, you said then you, you were sort of like initially sort of like drawing in from historicals despite sort of then starting to play fan, uh, like you know science fiction because that's sort of how it's nothing you know gee even if people haven't played 40k i think um especially, like, original 40K, is, um, I think it's probably, probably, like, the phrase now be, like, legally distinct from existing sci-fi <laughs> franchises at the time. I think it's just done, like, a very good job over the last, sort of, like, 40 years of making itself, you know, copyrightable and legally distinct by starting off as just a blatant rip-off of everything else that, sort of, like, me, and, and being very knowingly, like, tongue-in-cheek ripping off every other sci-fi franchise at the time but did you um was it even then though you you were sort of like drawn to really pretty much just always playing historic so have you sort of like flitted about with other
1: genres I, I think I've always flitted about I've I've, I've always been uh, it is a really interesting topic this you know are you a historical gamer or a sci-fi fantasy gamer because uh I, I've always considered myself um you know both i haven't really ever considered myself a distinction in, in one or the other and i guess uh i'm not quite sure what the what the correct term is but i, I guess i was always the nerdy kid who would you know make meshesmith models and read lord of the rings and you know loved you know science fiction novels uh but then also really liked you know the history and learning about the romans and the vikings sort of thing so i've i've never seen it as a dis, as, as distinct things and so uh uh, it's it, it's been interesting. I think you know the the, the war games club that I belong to. We we've, we've always played, you know. Well, we'll play science fiction this week, and we'll play you know Macedonians versus Seleucids the next the next week, sort of thing. So it's 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 just that we're all you know we're all interested in you know science fiction and history and and fantasy um, all at the all at the same time, sort of thing. So uh, I think as a group, and, and I, I, that there are one or two people at the group who were like oh i'm not really you know i don't like to play science fiction it's not real is it or um uh or similarly i don't play that historical stuff i want to play science fiction so there are there's always been one or two people who have a preference um uh, but i think most people are uh, at the club are, are really happy to play either and are interested in either so i've i've always considered myself a bit of a uh, a a mixture of the two and and, and we were playing science fiction Uh, Games. I can remember when 40k came out and it was really exciting. Oh, there's another another range of uh, figures. I can remember the GW metal figures coming coming out when they were starting to produce um, uh, metal figures for science fiction, which was quite interesting because it was it it was relatively difficult to get say 28 mil science fiction uh, in metal in in the shops around Worcester. Um, but when Games Workshop sort of started bringing out and they had these strange marines and then they had a spe- the Space Orc who had like a double barreled Sten with an axe in it or something. It was, uh, so we're, 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 I remember we all bought those and uh, so we had like, you know, and then when the first Plastic Space Marines came out, we had Plastic Space Marines. And and then one guy had a Blood Angel army, but his vehicles were actually Star Wars Atats. So we had Star Wars atats with the Blood Angel logos over because of course originally, you know when the first edition of 40k came out, there were very few vehicles, and so we had you know any old plastic science fiction vehicle from the model shop would get uh, would get paid So we played we played quite a lot of 40k um, when it when it first came out because that was that was you know new and exciting. And uh, so yeah, yeah, that was a long way of saying of saying I've always liked <laughs> both both science fiction and historicals.
0: Well, I, I think. I think it, like I would very much like describe myself almost as like a hobby butterfly. So like I play primarily historics, but I'm sort of like quite fast and loose in like what necessarily counts as like a historic game, because it might be like, well, this is a cinematic historic game and this is trying to be relatively true to the history. But I think like personally, like, one of my things I like trying to bring in with like, especially sort of like pre-modern historic games is bringing in sort of like a more fantastical element to it, because I think so. Sort of like at the time, especially if you're doing like the Dark Ages, you know, the people who are like in the battles are very much believing in magic and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, maybe you've not got like, you don't maybe want to have like a wizard, you know, throwing spells and, you know, fireballs and stuff at people, but if you just know there's like a, you know, there's some folk or something living in that bog, if you go over there, you know, you're not going to be very thrilled about it. It just, it's kind of in a way that it's, it's making it more, historically accurate by being that extra level of weird and fun. I know it's something we try to bring a lot with our sort of English Civil War campaigns is that, you know, we've um for my many sins, I like to sort of spend time in archives and, you know, read trying to find and like pull out all the little pamphlets and stuff of all the weird like magic dogs and, you know popish pigs and stuff that, are, you know, rocking about the so, you know, we'll, well we'll sprinkle these into our campaign that sort of makes things much more fun you know people at the time might have been worried now there's you know there's a there's a goose that lives over that hill that's in league with satan we're gonna, <laughs> you
1: know,
0: we're not we're not flanking that way we're going to go down this road instead we're then going to you know, have souls intact so away we go um and it, you know you you read the historical accounts these all come through and then you just get even more confused about what's going on and it just adds that extra sort of level to it so um so some, you said you sort of like you, you you game with your club now. Are you um sort of like the, the quintessential sort of say like British gamer then where the vast majority of your gaming is sort of like focused around your club and sort of like within your club mates? Is that how it, it is it, for
1: you? It is, it is. I mean it it's been um I think it's been it's been really good the with the advent of social media that you have a lot more people to speak to about gaming and um so there is that is there is that expansion of you know views and things that you can you can be aware of and it's and it's good to go to shows and things and uh and and find out what other people are doing because it it can be if you if you play in a club it can be very insular and, and and i you know so if i you know look back onto look back onto the 80s and 90s when i was playing is is that I'm sure the way we were playing a set of rules was probably different to how anybody else was playing those sets of rules. Because as you say, they're relatively complicated and perhaps require some interpretation. And um, and and you and I think it's easy to drop into that. Well, the way we do things is, is, is the proper way. And, uh, uh, and, you know, that, 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 all don't, you know, don't get strangers involved. Um, so I think, I think it is, it is, it is good now that, that there is that it's much easier to get you know to hear other views and you know, things like your podcast and stuff are, are great for having that view about what other people are doing and what other what other games people are playing and what other people think about rules I think is it, really good but um, yeah certainly for you know a majority of my games are with uh, are, are with with a, a set of a set of people that I've known some of them I've known you know for uh, for probably uh, you know so scarily over 40 years yeah
0: i would let you in behind the curtain despite doing the podcast we are pretty much doing the exact same thing the exact thing that you you social media stops you doing where you're going well that's the rule we're playing it this way
1: because
0: <laughs> we've decided among like our, our like media group who we play a lot of games with like basically we play like the same games with about like about 10 of us really sort of play games regularly We sort of us there's nothing, because we're not sort of like playing at tournaments or playing at events or anything, we're just playing amongst ourselves, or we don't like this particular rule, we're just going to bin it, or we're going to come up with a homebrew version. Here's, here's, you know, here's the errata that we play at Ed's house, because we yes. have sort of, we, we have sort of like, we play primarily down at our club, the Hackney area, tabletop enthusiasts, but um, also like our co-host Ed has a, a table set up in his living room now, so that's now also our, our you know, coined Lady Hamilton's gazebo is gazebo, our like yes, uh, yeah you know, our, our our secondary if not now primary venue that we play at <laughs> house. But, but yeah, so we were we're able to sort of like home brew the games. But do you find them with your club, do you sort of like come up with projects like as a club or do you each do like your own thing and then go, Oh, I really fancy doing, you know, Gasolfo Adolphus's attack on wherever Anyone else want to do it, or do you sort of just go ahead and do it on your own and then present it to your clubmates? And go, anyone want to play this this month?
1: It, it's, uh, I think, it's evolved into a bit of a mixture. I think, certainly, if I look back to when I started wargaming, it was that that view of you bought a army for a period and then desperately hope that somebody else at the club had the same the army based to the same regulations so you could play the same set of rules um and so you'd bring your 1500 points of uh you know English Civil War royalists and play against somebody else's 1500 points of French Italian wars um so there was there was certainly a lot of that and that was that that went on for a few years um and and then as as i guess um uh, things things evolved the the where times where we'd say oh let's all do a new period or something there's you know we'd there'd been a new film out or something let's all do French Indian Wars because last the Mohicans has been out, um, and those things in, in, inevitably were always a bit challenging because everybody for example everybody wanted to collect the British and nobody wanted to collect the French or, or vice versa um, and and then some people's interests would would butterfly off to some some other period. And, and things would never happen and so uh, I think we then moved into a, a stage and perhaps it was as we as we grew up and had, had more disposable income that we'd collect we, we'd each have our own projects and we'd collect both armies and then we'd turn up and say right well I've got the British and the French for the French Indian Wars um, and so let's play so we could play that and and we we typically we sort of evolved in doing games which were sort of multiplayer so there might be you know three or four people aside um and and so people somebody would bring the the two armies and then everybody else would muck in and play the game um and so i think we we've, we've evolved into into that being so you know um there are, there are other people with 30 years wars armies but i, I guess i probably got perhaps slightly more than the than, than others and so um if if I, i'll typically say you know, bring a couple of armies along and say, right, well, you know, we'll organise it badly on email beforehand, and say, right, well, I'm I'm bringing my Swedes and Poles this week. Does anybody fancy it? Uh, and then somebody else will say, well, I'm bringing a couple of bolt-action armies, um, and then we'll have a couple of games at the club going on, uh, like that. Um, but I, it, interestingly, over the last couple of years, there has been more of a uh, uh, there has been a sort of move to doing sort of group things so actually you know last Saturday just gone we had a big American Civil War game and that was where a number of people had sort of said uh, oh I've started painting up some American Civil War in 28 mil. And somebody said oh that's interesting I, I I've got I've got some of those in my pile of opportunity that I've and then somebody said oh actually, I've, I've got some that I bought from Trevor Dixon the foot when he just bought the range out in you know 1981 or something so and and, and so a lot of people have just suddenly started painting American Civil War uh, in 28 and so there was a game on Saturday when a lot of people brought their different uh, American Civil War regiments out for the first time and played so it's it's a bit of a mixture but I think generally we're you know I think like most war gamers it's, it's difficult to, for, for one person on their own to to keep to a particular project but Four four war gamers are never going to keep interested in a period for long enough to collect two armies, and so it, it's if you know. And I know I've heard you and Andy talking about this in and saying, "Oh, well, you know, better to collect the the two armies, so you know you can have a game."
0: Well, I, I think it's also I think it's I, I definitely let like with our club. I think it's difficult to do the same thing like multiple times. Like we all started. I think twenty nineteen we had like a vote for what we were going to do. I think twenty nineteen we decided. What are we going to do as a club, as like the historical section of our club in 2020, so we've all got armies that we can play? Because we realised we were all playing lots of historicals, but none of us really had any armies that were sort of fit at the right period. We'd have like you know, Macedonians that had like Philippine Macedonians to play like, you know, late imperial Romans yeah, or, yeah. you know, like... Gauls versus, like, Sassanid Persians, if we, if we were lucky. Yes. And then it'd be, like, in bulk action, it'd be like, oh, here's, like, some eighth, Af-, you know, like here's an eighth army versus, like, you know, Chinese communist guerrillas <laughs> fighting in, like, Switzerland. Yeah. yeah so it, it was great. So we thought, no, we'll try and come up with something. We'll come up with a project. So we we had a big list. Everybody voted on it. I think we had 20 people vote on it. And, uh, like, no, only one person voted for the English Civil War, which was Ed as their primary choice. <laughs> yes. But enough people had it as the second choice, so it became the second choice. Yeah. So we all did English Civil War and we'd all bought the armies. And then, of course, lockdown hit and everything. So that was actually like a perfect time to paint hundreds of 28 mil <laughs> yes. English Civil War figures. But then 2021, we did decided that we'd do 28 mil Napoleonics. And to be honest, that fell flat on its face. And, like, some people, I think about 10 of us, I think, pretty much signed up to do it. I painted mine because I'm a glowing for punishment and I just wanted it painted. But I think, like, most other people are sort of like still working on it, got bits of it painted. I think most of Andy's is, I think, primed on a shelf. I think Ed's got quite a lot of his painted. But like I know at the club, uh, Wednesday night, they had like a big game there where everybody had sort of like brought along what they've sort of got painted, and it is now a case of, yeah, I've got, like, two units, so like, like cavalry, three units, so like, infantry, and, so, you know, I've got this painted. big people, sort of, like, down and able to bring it in, but it just did, really did not gain the traction that, sort of, like, the ECW did, whereas, like, more and more people, are like, oh, like, I've done this, like, I know somebody's done, like, a, a World War One game, they've built all the terrain, they've got those armies, and we're, we're sort of, like, branching out into doing the smaller scale stuff as well. It, it seems to just be much easier when you're sort of trying to sell something. Finding an opponent for something when you've got the toys is somewhat much easier. And well, this is a period you don't really very much like. Please go spend three hundred pounds on the toys and then spend at least three months painting them, and then come back and play the game with me, please. That's a bit of a harder sell.
1: Yes. Nice. As
0: I, I sort of find, but when it sort of like pays off, and you get people who have got like bits and pieces to sort of come in and jump into these massive games. And then all of a sudden you do have you know like 10 11 people playing a huge table with loads of figures of of any scale really it just looks amazing and it is all it always boggles the mind when you put these games on and people go oh i think i've got like a unit of them painted up in the cupboard somewhere (laughs) why would you just and it's always like oh i think i've got like some i think i've got some like french lancers and i might have some like medium guard like some young guard doesn't think i just painted it up one time so I, I i i don't know about you but i i never seem to just paint like a random unit or like a random regiment for like a random period so like, i'll just buy a i know because it's it's probably like the war game is sort of very tiny violin luck here now but it's sort of like when friends and family who aren't gamers buy you sort of models as a gift <laughs> and they go here you go and it's like thank you <laughs> like trying to go really really i know it was my, my birthday earlier this year i think my, my sister bought me like a box of like 72 like a 20 mil eighth army air plastics, plastics like <laughs> 135 napoleonic prussian cavalry uh a 172 like cold war tank and uh, i forgot the other thing but you know it's like four different periods four different <laughs> scales it was like you've literally just been in a model shop haven't you and looked what looks cool on the box yes, like, yes. and a tree and a cool tree um yeah. but that was it but i do have a i know like the most of the stuff that you post up that i've seen is nearly always 28 mil but do you do you play and paint any of the scales or are you a primarily a 28 mil gamer
1: i, I think i've got i'm trying to think i've got i've got i've got a few six mils still um uh, I I've I've done a lot of micro armour over the years and I've still got a few six mil tanks. Um sitting somewhere. I've got a lot of ten mil, I've got oodles of fifteen mil. Um but I, I, I have sort of resurged into twenty eight in the last uh decade, decade or so. It it definitely seemed to go that as I said that the 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 the, mod, the the model shop in Worcester sold twenty five mil minifigs figs, and so that's seemed to be what we all started. And then fifty mil became massively popular, and um, I, I guess just because it was easier for companies to to cast up uh, and produce fifty mil ranges, it seemed that you could you could get a lot more different things in fifty mil all of a sudden. And so there was definitely a a huge thing, and it it seemed that we were doing everything in fifty mil for for a few years, um, and then I, I you know for, I don't know whether it was just a local thing here or it was a national thing, but tw- twenty eight mil. I don't I, I still don't know when twenty five mil became twenty eight mil, but it, it it happened, and nobody asked asked us, but it definitely happened when that when that sort of um, size thing changed. Uh, and I don't know if it was the it was uh, plastic figures coming out in 28 mil was the was the thing but I've definitely moved back to 28 and, I, I, and uh, the the only logical reason I can I can think about was that I was finding that you like, you know as 15 mil figures it actually became 18 mil figures and things like um, uh, AB I was I had some uh, AB napoleonics and, and they're gorgeous and there's as much detail on them as there is on a 28 mil figure and there's probably more detail on them than there was on a 25 mil in the Uh and I found it was just taking me, it was taking me as long to paint a 15 mil figure as a 28 mil figure and I thought well I might as well paint the bigger figure then and uh, so I I've, I seem to have crept back into 28 mil now and I, I must have, I've, I've still got several 15 mil armies for, uh, particularly for ancient, um, ancient um, armies uh, but I, they they don't get a run out quite so often anymore but uh, and, and and I don't know it, it with 10 mil um, becoming a bit of a thing I think if I was going to do that slightly smaller scale I'd probably go and start something new I'd probably go to 10 mil now and, and that's uh, that's what we what, what when we did uh, we did have a, a sort of club splurge and we did World War One uh, and we did that in 10 mil um, and I think we chose 10 mil because 50 mil was was a bit too big and too detailed whereas 10 mil you could still see that that was a company of men um, but it was it was small enough to get all those advantages of the smaller scale so uh, so I think I think I, I just like 28 mil because I like the pleasing look of the figures and, and being able to sort of lavish that attention onto a unit but I think from a I think a sensible point of view I, I do get the sort of smaller scale thing in 10mm and 6mm and and 3mm and you know and then 2mm thing looks terribly exciting when you can have that whole sweep you know on a, a four foot table you can have can I on, on a one-to-one you know Mark Backhouse and his strength and honour and his the arm is, he's produced there look amazing I think yeah, so that, that that's that is quite tempting so uh, so I think I like I, I do like all scales but I, I, I do find myself keep coming back to 28mm
0: you're talking to somebody who's got like English Civil War armies in three scales um, <laughs> and I, th- I think they all have their they all have their pros. They all have their cons. Um, I think if I had to choose like one that was like the happy middle ground for them all, I would go for 10 because I, I think you can have like this small enough. So if you need to, you can still almost use individual figures like you can with 28s, but you get like the scope more that you're getting with. Six, yeah. Um, although even like the scope was like because I'm doing this, I'm doing like a, a five to one battle of Charrington army, mm. um, and like I, I'm working on it now. Um, and it's like it's looking amazing, but it's not going to be sort of like bizarrely, despite it being properly historically accurate, in my you know it's it's there. I've got the orders of battle, which as close as what I can work out to what's mm. there, because you know. Yeah. It's the 17th century, you know, one chronicle says so and so is there, another chronicler says no, they're not. So <laughs> well, try and work out what you're doing, but then it's not going to be necessarily as flexible as you would maybe be used to for like another game because your units are just giant blobs, yes, because of, of how they've had to be. And we're well, really quite like to like move that commander around. And my commander's got killed, or just remove it's sec- like no, you're not because you've got the entire base, <laughs> you, you, you've got 500 individual figures on that base, you're not moving anyone. Um. But also, like you can't, yeah, you're not getting any of the the joy of like you know the the, the super fancy feathers and the, the hat. You know, you're just doing the, the splodge of colour. But he's got his yeah. feather. Yeah. But I think it's, I think they do have like different things. I think definitely different periods tend to like leave themselves to different scales better. I think like you know having just painted up a load of six mil World War Two armour. I think if you're wanting to do like you know tank companies and tank battles. You have to be sort of a maniac to try and doing it in you know, a larger scale than even like Because I think even in like 15, you're not having like, unless you're sort of like independently wealthy and are sort of able to be like bungee corded from like a tennis court ceiling or something. You're not playing with like, you know, hundreds of 15 mil tanks on a, a table, are you? Whereas, you know, you do them in six mil, you can easily put out hundreds of tanks on yes. a table, which A, aren't going to realistically aren't necessarily going to bankrupt you depending on how many hundred you've got. And if you're not, if they're not all micro-armor, they are all micro-armor, then, you know, you're remortgaging your house. Um, but also there's sort of like transportable, you can play around with them and you can sort of use them crazy. Whereas, you you know, Sims things sort of like the ancient, if you want, you know, a big random war band sweeping down the table, you don't really want sort of like half a dozen guys and a dog to sort of <laughs> represent a, a phalanx, do you? Where you yeah. sort of like into any more. But if, if you're doing, you know, a small cavalry charge of like a foraging party, you know, you've got like maybe 20 or 30 dudes, in, or you know, the ECW like manor house storming or something, where you've maybe just got a couple of dozen men involved in reality, break out your bloody minis or your empress minis 28s and go to town on them. And, you know, well, this guy's, you know, he lost his left eyebrow. <laughs> you know, siege of Basingstoke, and you know, he, you know, he lost his ear in Bristol. Uh, a way you sort of go, and you can, you know, if you want to, if you're the gamer when you're sort of playing a game where you know you may be having these characters that you sort of like carry on, or, or, or you've learned the history of these characters, so sort of with that larger scale, you then sort of like start bringing it out into the modeling more if you want to. Like, do, do you ever sort of do any of like. Do you ever sort of like, I know obviously we've seen your figures, you know, you're a brilliant painter, but do you ever sort of like do any additional sort of modelling or accoutrements to the figures to sort of further like the historical narrative from?
1: I I, I do often um, do sort of conversions and things. I've got a, I I don't know where it came from, but I've got a a sort of slight obsession in that I like every figure in a unit to be different. And, and, And of course, there's no reason to do that and you can paint them so they're different even if they're actually all the same sculpt. But uh I, I if if every figure isn't um the isn't different to start with I'll end up having to chop an arm off or swap a head or something like that to um just to give that, that variety you know, you know, you know, just because that you know, especially in the 17th century perhaps that wouldn't work quite so well for the onyx, But for the 17th century you know, um there was there wasn't really a concept of a uniform as such, and as you know, it was it was more a matter of, here's some clothes. and um, we've just got, you know, five hundred doublets made by seventeen different um sort of cottage manufacturers. So everybody's gonna look a little bit different. Um and uh, even if everybody's firing they 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 uh the, the next ranks will be reloading and then I'll be doing that slightly differently. And some people will have a musket rest and some won't. So I do really like to have that slightly um they all look like they're in the same unit but they look like they're a bit of a, have a bit of a mishmash of equipment so I, I do quite like to try and uh, recreate that so and and it is tricky well I, I find it tricky to get them so they look like they're in the same unit but at the same time you've got that non-uniformity so I, d- I do uh, I d- I do go for that and I, I tried to and I uh, I know I know that uh, I, I'm a sort of I am a button counter uh, I hope I I don't I don't uh, button count other people's stuff but I've always button counting my stuff so uh, I think oh I'm not sure the Montero is really appropriate for that for that unit so I'm gonna have to swap that head or or that's a that's a three-barred English pot helmet so oh, I'm not sure I really want that in my uh, in my German um, sort of hark up as your unit, I'd better swap that head off and uh, put a slightly different head off. So I, I do go down that, 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 down that rabbit hole quite quite a lot.
0: I like to play the card of like willful ignorance.
1: Like,
0: <laughs> there are like some things I purposely prevent myself from fully learning because I know if I fully <laughs> learn them, it will really annoy me. Because um, like one of my big bugbears, um, being like a cavalry nerd, is so many cavalry are like the same basic sculpts, and they're all, always in the same pose, and like the harness never changes. It's the same for them all, and it's like, no, they're not going to have like a and strap or a Martin Gale on for like another you know, hundred and fifty years. Why have they got one? Am I shaving it off? No, because I just can't. I can't. I'm not good enough to then just you know filing off loads of like Brechin and straps and then trying you know re-sculpting hair around tails and all this sort of stuff Or go, why has it got some weird saddle pad on what are these doing for but then if sometimes like try and bring it out if i'm trying to be mr fancy pants and i'm going well this is going to be like some you know this is like a general horse is probably having like a pig leather saddle i'll try and paint the saddle flaps slightly differently and this sort of thing and then you realize it's just painting it for yourself because nobody else is going to no care of any idea what you're doing and go so like, what is the point of this um but i definitely get the idea of like making so sort of like every figure in the unit slightly different, mm. no matter sort of what it is and sort of breeding character into them, and that idea of like the ununiformity of uniformity is, uh, <laughs> i think I think it's one of those things that sort of like is applicable even though it's like modern gamers today because you think you know if, if you'd see like mm. in in the press like a, a photograph of like any squad of soldiers from like any modern unit even today who are, who are in theory all you know armed and outfitted at the same time with the same kit they will be dressed completely you know even if they're all in the same fatigues they're going to be worn differently they're going to be mm. have different you know they're going to have set their webbing up differently and you know I suppose you'll have definitely seen like the very famous picture of like the what is german field grey <laughs> yes you yes. know is it like blue to dark green to every shade in between yeah, and as you sort of went, you, you know, you play like 17th century stuff and you go, in theory, they are all issued with like a red coat. And it's like, right, so what? And then, yeah, you find out, well, there was sort of like an issue put out of like 500 of these coats, like the, the cloth is from like 27 different places, including some people who had like enough to make like half a coat. Some of it wasn't properly like set. So as soon as it got rained, they just sort of became like a light pink. Other ones, some of them didn't like it, so they ended up just nicking, you know, coats from somewhere else. So you have so many people who, so, like, just wear, and, like, the more you read it, and, like, I, I was trying to get my head around, like, the hats, and, like, when is it right to, like, wear a Montrose and all this sort of stuff, and you realise, yeah. at one level, pretty much everyone is almost, at a certain point, pretty much everybody's wearing a Montrose hat, because if they weren't issued with one, they probably nicked one off somebody else, or they just thought, that looks quite good. I will sort of, like, make something knitted or crocheted or whatever that kind of functions more or less the same or is basically a kind of weird bobble hat that i don't know the protect you know the proper name for these sort of like you sort of fit down these wormholes and it's like I'm, I'm now completely lost i've got like seven books out on the table while i'm trying to find this sort of thing and ultimately does it really matter that much yes because when yeah. you're painting them on like a six millimetre <laughs> high little man it's like Oh, I don't
1: know. Yeah, um, yeah. but did now, you... horse horse tack is uh, is really interesting, I, it, and and I'm you obviously know more about horse tack than 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 I do, and I'm sort of glad, as you say, because that's a whole other area of of sort of night. Because I I often sort of like think mm, I'm sure it was probably more complicated than this, and and there's and it's like I'm 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 as you say, it, it is good to have that sort of plausible deniability. I don't actually understand it sort of thing. And it's and it's so it's like um saddle cloths. Um so the you know a wargaming horse has a saddle and a saddle cloth, which is probably goes back to a day cowboys or something or the seventh cavalry. Um because like, I can remember recently I was looking trying to I was I was painting up a unit of cavalry and they had the, the typical wargames horse saddle cloth. And I thought, well what what colour wear Swedish cavalry saddle cloth? And you go and look at contemporary pictures. I'm I'm not actually sure that they actually had saddlecloths. I think they just had a big leather leathery saddle that ha, that that's, that was sort of straight and and so because uh, and, unless it's Gustavus Adolphus himself who had some fancy thing uh, in velvet under his saddle, uh, I'm not sure they are actually they wear saddlecloths. For example, so I, I I I totally get that that that's it is a good you can. Get too obsessive about these things and know too much, and then torture yourself saying, "Oh, all of my cavalry are wrong."
0: Well, it's. I think it's so hot because there's there's also like there's so much sort of like conflicting evidence, mm. and like then there's a, and also you can never take anything like it's. Well, what's the standard and what isn't the standard? You know, <laughs> if, yeah, I think you can almost like find an exception to prove. Yes. Yeah. Everything, if you want, and yeah, like things like saddle cloths. Like I may be completely wrong in this. But I would say it's like, especially for like seventeenth century, I just don't think they really existed. Right. I think like especially as like as we think of what is a saddle cost now, like you know, the huge mm. square, yes. which is like, you know, yeah. got enough room to sort of, you know, put like barging and all sorts of fancy flushery on. I'm pretty sure they don't exist. I may be wrong here completely, but I'm pretty sure what you would have underneath your saddle would basically be like some sort of sheepskin or like knitted numna thing, which mm-hmm. is basically just about the same size as the saddle itself yeah so sort of like when it's on the horse you're not really going to notice it because it's like it's just to prevent the saddle rubbing a little bit and yeah. even then you might not technically have one depending sort of like what your cavalry is like um yes.
1: yeah
0: because that but then you get into like the whole like weird wormhole of like how technically like unless they're sort of like fighting cavalry shouldn't it be mounted because you know you're so sort of like a rum cavalryman who actually rides about the place, he's supposed to walk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but this is um, you know, this is again the weird wormhole so you can sort of like
1: yeah.
0: fall down and you know, literally trying to write books about cavalry and still find it, you know, you find things that you know, exceptions that confuse you and all these sorts of things. And yeah, it's like should it matter? Do you need to know that when you're painting that, you know, like the tack should be like you know, several different kinds of leather and different colours of leather and it's gonna oh, be treated dear. differently. Yeah. Yeah. And you go no, it can all <laughs> just get painted. <laughs> they can all Leather be brown. brown. It's yes. leather brown, or it might be red brown, if I'm being flashy. Um, but do you find that sort of like when when you are painting and doing sort of your research, like do you find knowing that kind of stuff and doing the research for what you, you're painting? Like, you know, take sinkers as buttons. Like, do you go as far down as going, are they having like brass or tin buttons, or are they going to be like bone buttons, or do you do do you find that out, or do you just go? They're having tin buttons. Oh, they're, they're, they're all being fancy brass buttons. I'm not actually finding out what buttons are having.
1: I, have in. I, I, uh, I, I do. I have, I have definitely had that sort of obsession, especially about you know the different browns. It's like, oh, oh, I've done his uh, his boots in that particular leather brown, so I'm going to have to use a different brand for the for the holsters on the on the saddle, and then there'll be have to be a different brown for the uh, for the. Um, the 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 gun itself that's in the, the holster on in front of the saddle, and and then you you, you, drive, you say you drive yourself mad and you have sort of end up with fifty seven browns and then when you you paint the figure, and and actually you you know you can't actually tell which brown you used anyway and so I'm so I'm trying to row back from that uh, that particular button counting uh, hell and and just say well actually I know that this brown will do for the boots the saddle. And the guns, and uh, and it's. I think there's probably an art to when do you need to use a distinctly different colour, brown, for example, um, to to make it pop or show, and when can you just get away with just any old brown because it won't matter. And there's probably a skill in there which I'm still learning uh, to to so that you don't torture yourself too much with the uh, with the buttons. And I, but I I, I, so it's, it's like I can just I can just hear my mind working now is like when I'm oh well that, I can't use that particular gun metal because I've used that for their helmets so I'm going to have to use a different metal for the hilts of their swords sort of thing you think no no this is, the, you'll never notice, you'll never notice, just use the same one.
0: I think I, 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 are you a batch painter or do you paint individual mm, figures?
1: Uh, yeah but so so I, I, for, for no particular logical reason I know I, it's 12 figure batches is what I seem to do everything in so 12 cavalry or, or 12 Sometimes I do the horses and riders separately, which is is another route to madness but um uh yes, yeah, so it's twelves I don't know why
0: but you mean you mean you paint them properly you, you, <laughs> you, not, it's it it's ex- uh it's the extra joy of of them working out how you actually like mount the riders to paint them properly It is like do you drill them out and put them on like a pin or a stick or something yeah. or do you just like wear like Glued onto the bottom of a base, so you have to like paint them with like the uh-huh. uttermost care because if you poke uh-huh. them too hard with the paintbrush, they're falling yeah, off.
1: off. yeah. Uh-huh.
0: Uh, I can never, uh, no, I, I, I never paint. I, I have painted a lot of cavalry like with them glued on to the mounts, but I just find it takes me so much longer to actually paint them. I just find it a, a lot easier to paint them dismounted yeah. once I, I, I sort
1: of. I, I was definitely a horse, uh, horse and rider, same. Th- painting together until I came to the winged as and because I knew they were going to be fiddly I did them I did them separately and 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 now I've I've sort of now I have sort of fallen into more often uh doing them separately and that's because I had to then collect the corks to put the little bits of wire in to mount the fig to mount the cavalry troopers on um so yeah it is it it is that all those these crazy things we do to make to make life more difficult
0: well I... The way I do a lot of my cavalry these days is I just glue the rider on one foot with some really cheap super glue ah. to a plastic base on one right. foot. Yeah. Paint the whole figure yeah. apart from the bottom of the boots. Snap the boot off, Yeah. like snap him off the base, give him maybe just like a tiny little file up, a little bit of brush primer, then just repaint, the like then paint the bottom of that boot. Yeah. It's like ah. a, a five minute process. But it just yes. it's it's probably not great for people who are like super finicky painters but for my level of painting it's completely fine they don't fall off you know, mucking about trying to put them on a million bits of wire or drilling them all out and yeah because yeah. I, I i don't i never bother like pinning any of my cavalry riders when i'm putting them on their mounts do you bother doing no,
1: that I right? I, I, no 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 I, I haven't got that far now i haven't had any, enough accidents to make me do that no.
0: yes i think they like all i do if they're like a some of the older sculpts will, will say, are maybe not the most robustly seated yeah. in the saddles. Sometimes yeah. get like a, a blob of blue tack, like on top of the saddle yeah. with a bit of super glue and on. Su- yes. when, you yeah. 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 destroy that. And, and most of them generally then sort of survive. You, you'll get occasionally the odd dismount in trying, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, yes. it's the joy. But um, suppose like really sort of like 17th century armies are not really the most uh, like transport friendly, necessarily. No. Oh, I mean, are yeah, they? They're not. You sort of, or but also not necessarily sort of like the most sort of like hobbyist friendly either. Because I think, sort of, apart from maybe like sort of like Macedonian phalangites, I think sort of, you know, like the bloodthirst of pikemen, yeah, and stuff is, um, you know, quite sort of grim at times. I think. Uh, yeah,
1: brass pikes. i I like to think that it's a blood sacrifice that will improve my dice rolls, but it hasn't uh, it hasn't worked yet
0: No, And you think especially like if you're playing playing painting, like if you use if if you're trying to. Do it a little bit more on the cheap and you sort of like use plastic pikemen and then you go, well, these have lasted about half an hour, (laughs) I've, I've broken off all these pikes. Now, got cut them all off, drill them all out, and now replace them all with metal ones, which basically are just small stabbing implements. Yes, that yeah, just yeah.
1: you
0: know, will draw blood every time you so much as look at them.
1: Um, it, it's strange how 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 uh, easy it is to forget, as you say, you have a, a nine liter really useful box full of pipe men, um at the uh, at the advance, and you just thrust your hand in there carelessly. I'll oh, just pick that base up. Yeah, oh, yeah.
0: you do it like um, once or twice. And then
1: it's uh, like, I, I, I seem to be able to do it every time I open the box, but uh, so I uh, keep forgetting. Keep forgetting. Uh, As I, you say know, very dangerous, very dangerous.
0: But um, do you have a sort of like a? We've obviously like the whole. You know, I think you've been working on your suites for a couple of years now. Mm. Have you think? do you have a sort of like a like an, a, a vision for what that entire project's going to be like, or is this something you're just going to keep on adding and adding? So uh,
1: yeah, so I. I what I've sort of fallen into for projects is to have a have a particular battle as a an objective point. So with the Swedes, it was um, it was Lutzen, um, and, and and that was some uh, somebody else, uh, one of the, the chaps at club uh, Bruce said, uh, "Oh, you've got all those uh, Scots, and uh, you've got some English troops as well, and uh, you you uh, you ought to get some." some Swedes and we could do uh, Lutzen, I've always wanted to do Lutzen and so uh, he he's still sort of like got two units painted and I've now got most of the Imperial and most of the Swedes for, for Lutzen but that, that's what sort of got me into that, uh, into doing that thing but it was it was the idea of okay so so uh, here's some orders of battle um, and these are the formations that I'm going to do for that for that battle and so that then gives me the the, the target and um, and I, I think what 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 I've ended up doing with the 17th century is um, uh, that when I started doing 28 mil again, the 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 two armies that I was really attracted to do was uh, Montrose, um, so the uh, the English Civil War, but in Scotland, as, as I've seem to have told people a million times at w- the side of war games tables. Um and so I, I did a, a Montrose Force and a, the Covenanter Force and then you know kept expanding that collect until I could do all of the different battles for from his year of miracles. Um and then it was like, oh, well, I've got this all these Scots now. I could get a new model army, uh or a Commonwealth army, and I could do um, you know, Dunbar and you know Worcester. And, you know, if you live in Worcester, you really ought to be able to sort of like, you know, um fight over Poet Bridge and fight across the team for the 1651 battle so then I, I bought a, a commonwealth army a new model army to fight the covenanters so and then I had covenanters and lots of sort of English troops and then it was like well oh, I could do and then you know as I, as I was just saying Bruce said oh let's do Lutzen and so then I started building some Swedes and then you've got to have some imperial troops to fight the Swedes um, and then so once I had Swedes and Imperials it was then um, I was talking to somebody and they said, oh, well, what are you going to do next? And I said, oh, I don't know. Who else did the Swedes fought? And they said, well, of course, they fought the Poles, you know. And then there was that ka moment of <laughs> what? So I could actually have Polish winged czars and not just be sort of just buying Polish winged czars for the sake of it. And so then I went and found oh, Gustavus Adolphus. He started off fighting Polish winged czars. So then it was like then I had to buy a Polish army to fight the Swedes. And, 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 and now... Um, uh, so and I've got a Polish army and a Swedish army, uh, and uh, and and now I've I've started reading about the the Poles fought fought the Ottomans a lot.
0: Well, it's it's it's, <laughs> it's, when, it's when you start. What I know at one point I was like getting the calculator and the ruler out and starting to work out like so, like looking at like working out like the walls of Vienna and stuff and going well, what well, do you sort of need to do? This, like go the hills, you go the gents? and you start you start doing these things and it. it I think it's one of the great things about like the 17th century as a period is if if you are willing to look at it through a little bit sort of squinty, you're mm. able to sort of like get quite a lot of gaming legwork out of yeah. a lot of your figures. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially if you maybe like go down the route of swapping out a few flags.
1: Definitely.
0: And you, go, you can go like, yeah, definitely sort of like maybe like, you know, this unit of pikemen. Or maybe not a hundred percent correct for this time period if you know exactly what you're looking at mm. but it's it's not the same as if you know you're going to sort of be having like you know the battle of france sort of germans rocking round with you know stonegushers and all that sort of yeah. stuff it's you know it's it's not quite that bad it's, you know it's made like well they've maybe got They've not got cut down pikes, so they've got maybe less like the slightly wrong style of soft hat. Um, which as if, if you know it, it's going to be really annoying. But to the vast majority of other people and gamers, it's just going to be they're a pikeman, they're a pikeman. Yeah. It, it's all what you do. So I think you can to a greater or lesser degree sort of get quite a bit of legwork out of the figures, can't you? If if you especially if you're starting new to the period and you're going, Well, I've got the you know, yeah. I think it's one of the great things of if you're starting sort of like the English Civil War period, like the Scots are, are brilliant to start yes. with because oh, you know they fight everyone. Yes, you could you could in theory start like right up off in the bishops wars mm-hmm. and really go. You get some legwork out of some of the figures like right up to the end of the Jacobites. Yes. you really with yeah if, with with certain figures, not all of them, but you you get like, yeah. some legwork with like all of them. Whereas you know maybe if you're doing like you know new model cavalry or something you're maybe not going to have quite as much sort of Mm. legwork with it but even then you know if if you've done like a i know because i'm doing Charrington, so i'm actually painting up like loads of cuirassiers Mm. for which you know are sort of like an obscure unit by english civil war standards but there's an entire regiment of them at Charrington. and it's only because it's where most of like the 30 years war veterans were sort of still knocking about and like basically had their kit and they had a good day and you know it sort of they worked once yes and, and that was sort of it whereas like you know you can't really sort of like throw a stick at a 30 years war battle really without hitting a couple of units of cuirassiers yes can you yeah uh,
1: yeah so no that's, that's right it's it, it wasn't what the uh you, you you're certainly so right tom it was um it wasn't i didn't set out thinking oh this is a great period because i can i can just keep expanding but it is that's definitely the way it's turned out and there's, there's so much stuff that you can reuse like like you know artillery pieces as a great example you know a light a light gun is uh, is a light gun whether you're in scotland or or uh, istanbul sort of thing so uh um it, there there is a lot you can reuse across and then as you say depending on how sort of fussy you're going to be I think you've got quite a lot of leeway because I'm sure that you know that if you if you if you get to the minutia of all the uh, in the 1620s the doublets were a little bit shorter and the the breeches were a bit baggier than by 1650 the coats were longer and the breeches were tighter or whatever there's uh, that there you, you could get fussy about it but um, it's very difficult even in 28 mil it's pretty difficult to tell once the figures painted it in a unit so I think you can uh, it is a really really good period that and, and I just luckily something i've just fallen into that discovery there's a lot of stuff in my collection that can come out and fight whether i'm in Inverlochy or istanbul as i said
0: no i think it i think it's just one of those things that i would say it's almost like i think it is one of like the perfect periods to play mm. because there is something sort of in there almost for everybody and like if, if you want to find you know that the, there are plenty of examples of, of like skirmishes or full blown battles which read very much sort of like an ancient or medieval battle where you know firearms have like zero effect you know just they're very stabby clubby yes. pokey battles <laughs> and then you have other things which are like artillery jewels yes. and yeah and yeah even like you know gas like howitzers and stuff which are i can't quite get my head around i think they may be like over in the sources a little bit about how effective they are because they seem somewhat temperamental um but it's just like so much for sort of everyone to like have a a, a pick in, and it's almost like you, you look at what you've got in your figure collection, read a couple of battles and sort of like read a little bit of the history, and you could probably find something that will actually sort of like fit your history, you know, like your model collection, without having to do like a huge amount of either like rebuilding or going out and buying extra things or, or looking for more stuff. So you know, oh, I want I've got this massively like I've got like a Seventy-pound cannon. What I'm going to sort. What's doing with that? Oh, the king. Next, the king managed to like capture it from here, or it was like yeah. It's one of the queen's pistols. You know, you can sort of do this, and you can almost like then like build entire campaigns around sort of like these bits and pieces, which sort of like really do happen when you you realize like especially sort of like in like the southwest and stuff, where like you know, one week all of a sudden like you know the parliamentarians like artillery train is captured so all mm. of a sudden the Royalists have got loads of artillery until they lose it all about a fortnight later and then he gets nicked. Then it's like yes. Oh don't worry, uh, like a a Dutch ship has like run aground. That's your new artillery. We're not bothering sending you any go and nick that. And it's just yes. it, it's just so much fun. And I think it, it it gives like as a hobbyist and a modeler quite a lot of leeway and fun to kind of do that. Especially or what are the artillery limbers going to be like when just cannons that they've just salvaged from a beached ship, or mm. what are all these other little bits going to be? And how you can sort of like draw out all those little vignettes and little bits that you read in the sources. You go, "Oh, I'm going to do this for this." It can be then like it, it might not necessarily be like a particularly useful piece of like gaming mm. toy bit, but it can be like a a, a great hobby bit. So you said you sort of like you know your sweets were primarily for like loves to know Have you got any? future plans for more 30 years war or are you moving on to think else with well you, you you've teased uh the ottomans so are, are you now going for balkland wars
1: i I, with them I, there? I think so i think so i have i have actually bought some ottoman-like cavalry and some tartars um as a as a sort of start down that down that thread there there are some more 30 years wars battles that would be fun to do um there's there's a there's one there's the big battle before Lutzen which was really uh, more of a siege, uh, and you'll have to um, German listeners will have to excuse my poor pronunciation, but I think it's called vesta uh, I'm probably murdering the uh, the uh, uh, the German pronunciation, but that that that's a, a, a great battle. That's a sort of siege, and um, uh, where Wallen, Wallenstein has has this big camp um, and. Gustavus tries to uh, attack it um, and uh, it, it's, you know, almost sort of First World War in its sort of trenches and uh, and redoubts being taken. And he had to dismount a load of his cavalry because he was running out of troops to assault the uh, imperial lines and stuff. So that, that, that would be quite an exciting uh, 30 years war thing to get into. And That's quite tempting as well. But um, there, there is something I'm I'm... Quite smitten with the exoticism of the uh, if that's the, if that's the, if that's a word of the uh, of Eastern Europe and the Balkans and, uh, uh, and and getting into finding and it's and it is it is just that 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 thing that I guess that that uh, that captures us about history is that 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 there is so much of it um, out there isn't it and it's the you know learning. About uh, about the Ottomans, you know, we you know as wargamers we know about janissaries and we know about the the sipahi and, uh, and 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 all those sorts of things because we've read the army lists. But then to actually sort of delve into it in a bit more detail and stuff, it's it's absolutely fascinating to 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 find into find out more about the period and the armies and why they fought there and what they were doing there. Um, so uh, so I, I I think there's still lots more Thirty Years' of War to investigate. But I, I've got this. I've got a feeling that it's that the Ottomans are probably going to be the the next things that get uh, that get painted. Although I'm saying that the actual next the actual thing on my painting table at the moment are some uh, some Scots dragoons because uh, I've realised I don't have any dragoons for uh, for Montrose. So um, so, so that's you, you never really
0: need much of an excuse to paint
1: up some dragoons because they'll do they'll do for other things as well. That's they're fighting with dragoons. As,
0: as, 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 uh, yeah, uh, you know, there's never too much. But so it sounds like so you're basically sort of going into the, the of like 17th century expanded universe. <laughs> yes. Complex. <conflicts. laughs> but I think I think we're sort of like, the, the great thing also, though, especially in like the modern world that we live in, it's sort of like maybe like sort of, like sort of saying you know, that you pretty much started hobbying in the way because it's what you could get in your local shop mm. in Worcester that was selling the figures. And now sort of like through the power of the internet and modern technology and that you you decide what period you want
1: yeah
0: and you can pretty much get figures for sort of like everything you want you can come up with these weird and wacky ideas like i think the only project idea that i've got that i I would really like to do at some point that i'm unable to currently yet get figures for is the like royal navy expedition to the falklands but the like 1830s expedition, yeah where Uh. it's like that it where they just went to the Falklands because the Falklands had been taken over by sort of renegade Argentinian cowboys, right. And like demobbed Napoleonic, like French naval crews. Ah, interesting. But then they'd sort of like been on the Falklands for like nearly 20 years by this point, so sort of yes. fully native. And yet, my internet research so far has failed to work out what an Argentinian cowboy looks like in 1837. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure at some point uh, I will, but I just thought that would be a cool project. So, you know, yeah. I like that you have going, Yeah. does anyone come down and play some Falklands oh, conflict? Okay. Yeah. And then you start putting out some like very early Victorian era uh, naval uh, marines and go, wasn't the conflict you're thinking of, was it? Yes. Um,
1: yeah. But mm-hmm. ha- ha-
0: have you got any um, so, like figures that you have you already, you said you've already bought some Ottomans, uh, okay, so where did you get them from? Give, give so, the models a plug.
1: Yeah, um, so I've bought some uh, cavalry from Warfare Miniatures, uh, you know, the uh, from uh, Barry Hilton's you know, League of Augsburg. He's got a figure company that he owns as well. So uh, I think they're called Warfare Miniatures. So I've got some of his uh, light cavalry. I've got some from uh, the assault group, uh, TAG. Um, and uh, I've actually got some Mongols from, I think it's Fireforge. They fight. I think it's Fireforge. They do a sort of Teutonic Knights versus the Mongols. They do some plastics. Yeah, um, and some friend. A friend of mine had some Mongol cavalry, uh, and I, I and I they will may need some head swaps, but I think they'll fit for Tatars. because obviously I mean, the Tartars are actually the Mongols. It's just a different way of referring to them. So, and so sort of a few hundred years later. Um, but uh, so I, I think they're fairly. Uh, be fairly usable so I've got I've got some of those to to build up um so I think so I think it's so for the so far and, and what I'm trying to do with the Ottomans is make sure I get lots and lots of cavalry done first because I uh before I get to I think I'll treat and I'll use the Janissaries as the treat at the end of the <laughs> towards the end of the project a bit like I did with the Yellow Brigade for my Swedes. Oh uh,
0: do you do, do you find yourself do you draw, do you... Do you paint like a, a unit of cavalry and then give yourself a treat by painting a unit of infantry or <laughs> a couple of units of infantry and they go, oh, this is, I know for me it's always like an artillery piece or something like that is always the treat after painting. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yes, definitely, definitely sort of there are particular things that I use as the sort of treat, uh, but I have to sort of, um, and I, there was, uh, I, it was one of my favourite Napoleonic war games rules by Bruce Quarry and I think they called Napoleon's campaigns in miniatures and he had some very good advice in there which was when you're collecting your Poleonic army you must paint a line battalion a line infantry battalion between everything else because that's the only way you'll have the right proportions if you paint a line battalion then you paint a cavalry regiment then you paint a line battalion then you paint uh, uh, an artillery battery then you paint a line battalion then you paint a light infantry battalion that if you do if you do do it that way you'll always have yeah Uh, because correct proportion
0: it is so slightly soul destroying when you go oh I batch paint I paint like 12 miniatures at a time and I've got 12 line battalions to paint (laughs) here we go Oh, I'm painting like 128 figures at a time this is going to take three months Mm. quick painting Um, well thank you very much for chatting this evening Andy is there anything else that you'd like to mention before there you go thank you for very much for chatting thank you so much for sharing all your work with us over the last few years looking forward to seeing so much more of it and we can now hopefully soon start getting you know ottoman envy with all the <laughs> all the all the, the light like, cavalry and um I'm, I'm sure you know if, if you're painting up some tiles tar- like, i suppose it's only going to be a matter of time before you go so sort of further east and do more sort of nomad on nomad
1: oh yes sort
0: of action. reaction and then i i know I see at some point in my life, probably at semi-retirement, I'm going to end up having to do like a Golden Horde army.
1: <laughs>
0: but um, I know it's, it's, it's there at some point. But uh, Well,
1: well uh, thank you very much, Tom. I mean, it's been it's been great to have a chat. I've I've loved the podcast from uh, when I listened to the very first episode. Um, I can remember I was I was out um, having a walk uh, in one of the rare times where you were allowed to leave the house uh, during Covid and uh, you and Andy. We're definitely one of the podcasts that kept me sane for a long time. So uh, thank you very much for all the, the great podcasts and uh, for having such a great group on Facebook. So thanks very much. It was it's great to have a chat. And if anybody wants to, you know, lives in the vicinity of Worcester, if you look up the Friends of General Haig uh, on the your internet browser, you'll find our website. And uh, you'll be very welcome to come along and shove some toy soldiers, roll some dice with us.
0: Oh, thank you very much and good night. Good night, good night everybody. Night. We'll be back soon.